What's up, y'all? Baldo here once again. In this episode, uh, we have a very unique episode. We, uh, at the lounge, we have a, uh, uh, a thing that we do called Lunch and Learns. It's pretty cool. You can go to How Do You Health uh, Instagram and watch all the lives that we've ever done where we do an educational series of uh, different topics. And three weeks ago, we got to talk to Fayez Harana, who is the CEO, founder of Prep to Your Door. We had talked to him before, incredible mind. And we talked about so many different things. Farm Bill, this is actually uh, Nurse Doza, John, who got to interview him during our podcast. And it started off, I mean, during the Lunch and Learn, and it started off really well that I was like, let's put this on the audio and share it with, with our podcast group as well, too. So that's what we did. You'll notice that we pick up in the middle of the conversation, but it's still a very quality issue. There's so many things to talk about. And it's the health of farming in the United States. As always, it's brought to you by MSWNutrition.com. There's a new website. It's it's hosted by HowDoYouHealth.com. But MSWNutrition.com, you can use HDYH for a code, 15% off. But like, let's get right to it. You're going to love this episode. Right? They can actually accept food like prep to your door. And so you imagine now you're solving all kinds of issues with something as simple as voting with your dollar. Right? I imagine your growth in the past year has what tripled almost it just imagine people like ordering more food from y'all right uber eats in favor is is on the on the men but you mentioned something before i want to get back into that people don't realize how many steps does it take to get that food from the farm into that jar from this yep this goes so i mean we'll look at a recipe somebody y'all are eating the walnut lentil taco or that cabbage in your salad that went from this farm to our facility into the jar into your belly when you go to the grocery store even whole foods that is going from let's say mexico or california it goes to a distribution facility in that state gets put onto a semi truck gets shipped to a distribution facility here then it gets shipped to the grocery store and then it sits on the shelf so by the time you're actually picking up that produce which looks great it's at least three weeks old Whereas the produce that you're eating right now is less than a week old. If you got it on Monday, it would have been a few days old. <laughs> and so you all know, I don't like to speak on nutrition too much because I'm not uh, an expert in that. But we all know that the nutritional value of food goes down the moment that you pull it out of the ground or pick it from the vine. So I don't know how many steps I just named, but I named shortening like the food four, four steps maybe. So I imagine you have a food that you're putting into the microwave. I mean, just alone, that has to be at least uh, 50 steps maybe. I don't know. I mean, there's 50 steps done by the, the machine that actually put that food together. There, I mean, who put this food together? People, right? You have chefs. You have actual chefs. How many chefs do you have with the company? Two professional chefs. Two professional chefs. And they kind of manage and tell everyone else like this is the recipe. So what you have here is so much further than this. Think about this. Not only do you have a zero waste company that's basically putting local farm to table food in minimal steps, but it's seasonal. So tell us about the impact on climate change seasonal food does uh, when you're not incorporating seasonal food into your crops, if that makes sense. So I'm going to take it all the way back to the farm bill. Okay. I'm going to take it back to the farm bill because that's ultimately how we're affecting climate change. So I was talking about how 
it's broken up into really three main big chunks, which is what I said, food stamps, subsidies, and crop insurance. But I'm just going to talk about the last two. So a subsidy, just in case nobody knows what that is. The easiest way is when the government makes it cheaper for a company to do something. It helps you pay for it. It gives you a discount. Overly simplistic way of describing a subsidy. So the way that the Farm Bill is currently written is that they will help subsidize the inputs for farmers, aka help you buy seeds, help you buy fertilizer, if you're growing certain commodity crops. That means corn, soy, and grains. Those subsidies aren't available to you if you choose to grow broccoli or if you choose to grow tomatoes. So, okay, I'm a business owner. The government is going to help me out if I choose to produce one thing versus another. What am I more incentivized to grow? Obviously, the thing that I'm getting a little bit of help on. Okay, that's step. That's subsidies. Then there's crop insurance because when if there's a drought in California and I have to put food on my table as a, as a farmer, the government will offer me affordable insurance, crop insurance, that if there's a drought and none of my crops grow that year or I can't harvest my crops, they'll come they'll they'll cover the whole harvest. Those again are only available to you if you're growing certain commodity crops, corn, wheat, soy. If you want to grow broccoli or bok choy or cabbage, that crop insurance is not available to you. So now we have two government programs and these were well-intentioned. Like when they were institutionalized after the Great Depression, right? Like where we couldn't feed enough people. So it was good that we were securing farmers' ability to grow these staple crops and that they would get paid if something went wrong. That was good. But now we see the unintended consequences. And the unintended consequences are one, our healthcare system is in shambles. You can speak more to this, but the highest cost of healthcare is in preventable disease. Preventable how? Food. Okay. So healthcare. And the next, the most uncommon talked about is our agricultural system is the biggest contributor to climate change out of all of our industries. It Agriculture, one third of greenhouse gas emissions comes from agriculture. Why? How? What are the neg- what are the negative consequences of our agriculture? So, if I'm incentivized to basically grow these three commodity crops, then I'm going to specialize in those crops. If anybody here is driven out into the country, what's the one thing that you see? You just see fields and fields of corn. It's just corn. That's all we really grow in this country. 61% of our land is used to grow corn, less than 2% is used to grow other fruits and vegetables. That's nuts. When the FDA recommends that you eat 50% of your plate as fruits and vegetables, but we're only using less than 2% of our land to grow those fruits and vegetables. Okay, so when you grow the same exact thing on your land, season after season after season after season, you're not replenishing the soil with diverse nutrients. So you begin to degrade the soil. And when soil gets degraded, it turns into dirt. And dirt has no nutritional value. We all talk about our gut biome, right? Our gut health. Well, our gut health starts with soil health. When you have a diversity of nutrients in soil, then your gut is getting those nutrients as well. But we've degraded all of our soil across the farmland in America and the world because we're growing the same crops over and over. And when that soil turns into dirt, 
we have to use chemical fertilizers or artificial inputs to grow the food. So organic farming, the soil is healthy. So you can grow food from the healthy soil. But if you're one of the farms that's just growing corn, just growing acres and acres of corn, that soil doesn't have enough nutrients to actually support organic growth. So you have to put chemical fertilizers on it, right? And that further degrades the soil. So we're perpetuating the problem. And so you need to use more fertilizers to get productivity out of that land. And all of those chemicals are ending up in our bodies. And then we have to come here and make sure we get IVs because we're not getting nutrients from our food. I, I agree completely. You know, I, I found this out only because of being a practitioner. I've, here's the, the issue. And this is what Fias and first, uh, first talked about. So here is Fias coming in and he's, you know, this food company and I, I hear all this stuff and I'm like, you know, it's really interesting. I test all these people's labs and we, we do this all the time here. Uh, but all of them are deficient, like across the board. Doesn't matter which diet it is, whether it's it's plant based, uh, you know, vegan, uh, carnivore. Whether, I mean, it's all nutritional, right? And they're all nutritional deficient. So he goes back to the soil. What's interesting about this is most people walk around with gut issues, and you don't even know it. And again, if you ever had indigestion, gas, heartburn, whatever, which that's still part of your digestive tract, you have a problem digesting your foods. Now, what's interesting about it is, uh, I'll talk on the nutritional part in just a second. I'll get back to Fias. The wheat thing. It's funny you mentioned the Great Depression. So it was a great way to get our farmers the support we need. Um, the issue was in the 1950s, the issue with all the wheat and the corn is that the stalks are really tall. And they were breaking. So here's these farmers having this issue as far as the stalks breaking. And what they did was the scientists came and said, well, we can make them dwarfed and have shorter stalks. So GMOs were like really abundant now because now you have the short uh, wheat stalks that don't get broken and now farmers are able to thrive now. And that's basically 1950s and you look at like General Mills, you look at all your breakfast cereals, none of them were fortified, right? Back in the day, you had things like scurvy and rickets due to vitamin D deficiency and vitamin C deficiency. Now, if you look at all the cereals, they're fortified with what? B vitamins because there's no nutrients in any of those crops at all. And what's interesting, and this is why me and him love talking about this, is because all that's being served to who? Our kids. And if you look about this, I'm a parent, and I look at what they're feeding the public school kids like my kids. Are they serving them what? You remember the food pyramid back in the day, right? The basis of it was grains and, and wheat and soy, all those cash crops. Okay, so we grew up in the 80s and 90s not knowing any better. We were fed whatever we wanted. TV dinners were a thing of the past. But what's interesting about the, the disconnect we have from nature, talk about this. All that microbiome, that gut that we talked about here, it's bacteria and viruses that are mirroring what comes from the ground. So you're only as healthy as are, with what you eat because if you eat from nature, you're healthy. If you do not eat and know the source of your food, you're not healthy. That's just period. If you're not eating healthy food from organic or I, I'll beg the difference. If it's GMO even, I don't care if it's a massive strawberry. I know it came from nature at this point, right? So my chances of being able to actually break it down and use it is, is much, so much better. The thing about, you know, you talked about Big Farm and, and the farm bill. Let's go back to it. So the issue that you have with a lot of these companies is something called greenwashing. Is that is that right? Okay, tell me. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about that. I would be happy to. Uh, anytime you read biodegradable packaging plastic is biodegradable over thousands of years it is complete garbage like people say oh recyclable 
biodegradable packaging. That means nothing. It literally means nothing. Next, if you get recyclable food packaging, nothing is recyclable if it has food particles on it. If it goes to the recycling facility and it has food particles on it, they can't recycle it. So even if it has a little triangle on it, but you got food in it, doesn't matter. That's going into the trash. Lastly, uh, composting compostable materials, let's say what you get from Juiceland. Unless you put that in one of the green bins that is specifically for composting, it will not be composted. It will go into a landfill again. So composting is like our, our best hope next to circular models, but we need to see way more composting facilities put up across the country in order for those materials to actually be composted. Um, so greenwashing, I mean, from a packaging standpoint, that's the easiest thing to point out, but we have to do so much better than recyclable materials. A lot of people try to pitch us as until I take over and, and explain what we really do, but they say in recyclable materials, no, 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 no. Like we're, we're way past recyclable because if you read an Austin, I don't want to misquote, but a very small fraction of what you actually send to the recycling center is actually recycled. It's just not an effective method. It's too costly and we, we can't do it efficiently. So we really need to see, uh, I just need to see, personally, I, I don't hold a lot of companies liable per se for continuing to serve in single use plastic. We need to see material innovation from it's real R and D needs to take place there. Not everybody can do glass like we do, but we have to choose to build our business differently because we're doing a circular model. Like we can't ship across the nation. We're going to have to construct regional facilities in order to maintain the integrity of the model. Whereas, uh, HelloFresh can prop up one facility and ship across the country because it's all coming in single use plastic. That's okay. Uh, that's, that's my job as a business owner to, to, to manage the business appropriately. And guess what? Because we're doing it with intention, I'm going to get a little nerdy on the business side here, but our gross margins, you've seen them, are better than fast food and restaurant industries. And we're recollecting everything. So all it takes, I think, is for smart business owners to just be committed to it, not take the easy way out. And you can actually build something more profitable than single use. You just have to be dedicated to it. I agree completely. And so this is the other aspect of it. When you lead with a conscience, right? You do it with a, a pure intention. People come out of their way to not only understand what you're trying to do, but they would support you. The growth that Prepped Your Door has had in the past couple of years was not by accident. Every time that you talk to them, everything from top to bottom is thought about in a very thoughtful process. You have such a, a well-respected approach towards your teamwork i've seen the way that you treat all your fellow staff members they're not employees you know they're, they're they they dedicate themselves to this higher belief that they're doing something good for their community and i what's incredible about this and i you won't ever say this i will say this when i say that prep your door leaders they lead by design earlier this year we had a snowstorm right wiped us out the whole city okay the city of austin got together not the officials the leaders of this country, the city, sorry, the leaders of the city got together and said, we're going to take care of our fellow citizens. Fayez went to Prep Your Doors headquarters and started boiling water. He boiled 600 gallons of water. Was it a day or a week? 800 gallons. Yeah. 800 gallons. 
for anyone who could come up and get some water. Because remember, we couldn't really leave, right? We couldn't travel. I mean, people were not prepared, which was interesting. And so instead, he took action and said, I'm going to help people out. No one told him to do that. He probably was discussing. I imagine he was. So not only was he doing that, but there was several people in this room who were doing the same thing and helping out individuals in time of need. The thing about it is it's a system that has to be in place in order to do that. You have to rely on people who understand where you're coming from. One thing in business, which I like to mention, is like me, know me, trust me, pay me. It's something Baldo taught me years ago, and I love it to this day. People will like you, and they like Prep to your door because they understand the concept, right? But when they understand who you are and why you did it, I'll be honest. You're a college dropout, aren't you? Right? Yeah, twice. Twice. And I don't know if he's going back. I mean, he might. But we talk about education now and say – is that the education we want? We look at what we're looking at now in this country, and we'll get into it again. Understanding things like the farm bill is key to your community because then you can go in and make a difference, okay? I didn't tell you this before, but uh, I'm volunteering to teach nutrition at my kid's school. Nice. They have a garden in the back, and they have this little canopy at the top and a dry erase board. So they have no idea that you know we know each other, and I'm like, all right, we're it, let me get in the foot in the door, and then eventually we'll get them in too. But they can accept your food. Right, And they'll accept it and say, this is healthy. It's exactly packaged the way it should be. Zero waste, right? But at the same time, it supports the local farms. And so whenever we get to the kids at a younger age, and we talked about this before, I believe Fayez is going to be bigger than just prep to your door. I think Fayez will eventually help create an educational system that revolutionizes the way that we view our bodies and the way that we view education. The people in this room right now are, are under that same impression. If you look at education, it starts with our children. And we're going to get into this a little bit because I just want to know, just for the sake of people who aren't parents, what is the marketing that you see that is marketed towards our children? What is it doing to the health of our children? And what is it leading to down the road that we're not seeing? Uh, so a lot of the healthcare debate is around personal responsibility versus food environment. So the food companies, when they go and lobby, they like to leverage the argument of personal responsibility. You just need to exercise more, right? You need to make better food choices. Okay, fine. That's why we're all here. So it's partially true, but uh, I grew up a part of my childhood in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And Coca-Cola uh, cut a deal with the school district that I went to middle school in. And it was an eight-figure contract to have Coca-Cola machines strategically placed in our school. And if you read the contents of that contract, it was so specific that they could say exact that a vending machine shouldn't be in the middle of the hallway. It should be right outside the classroom door because they saw the rate of Coke purchases go up from vending machines. That's obvious, right? So wh why do we allow big food companies to have that level of influence in our public schooling system? But to be honest, that's not the fight that I've chosen to take up. I would just rather build a company that's as big or bigger than Coke and say, fuck y'all, we're gonna put healthy yes. food in front of them. That's right. That's right. That's the road I choose to take. But if there's somebody that's an aspiring lawmaker or policymaker in the room, they're on the other side of that battle and they, and they need to make sure that legislation changes. Right? Noah? 
I love it. No, so it's, it's a two-sided. It's a two-sided fight. Um, I think that's just one example. That's a little bit sickening, to be honest. It's like mm -hmm. they know sugar is the is the one. Diet studies are notoriously difficult to do because how can you get so many people in the same place and to maintain all the control factors for a certain period of time? Sugar is the one thing that we know is damaging to your health. Yep. Sugar is the one thing that we know with certainty that it is damaging to your health. Yet we are allowing these sort of contracts to take place in our public schooling system. That's weird to me. So we know that big money... Okay, so the farm bill in 2014, Nibia knows this. Uh, 60 of the biggest food companies spent over $500 million lobbying the farm bill. $500 million. So I have two choices. I can either become an activist and scream about that, or I can try to build a really big business and try to get my money in there as well. That's the route I'm taking, but we do also need the activists and the lawmakers and the policymakers to change the way they approach this as well. So when it comes back to the kids, it's like changing adults' minds is super hard in my opinion, right? Like we come with 20, 30, 40 years of previous history, mm -hmm. but with the kids, if they start to learn about soil health from the beginning, maybe they'll inherently grow up and they'll be like, this is kind of weird. So when they become politicians, they'll, they'll say, yeah, we're not going to do this anymore. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Money has always played an instrumental and overpowering role in how society is shaped. So that's why I chose to go down the business route. But And and what's interesting is you heard the mentality here, right? He said, well, we're just going to do it ourselves. Balder and I had that mentality starting off too, and we still have it. You look at like, let's talk healthcare real quick. Sugar is the issue we have when it comes to heart disease, diabetes, and Alzheimer's right now. It is the number one cause of heart disease. In this country, heart disease is the number one killer of Americans in the last 90 years in a row. And if you think about it, it's for exactly what Fias has been talking about this entire time. There's a system that's designed in place to not basically serve the public. And there's people behind the scenes that should have our best interests of heart, and they don't. Like I said, I was on the way over here, and I saw a senator driving in front of me said state official on his license plate. And I was thinking, like, man, he's going real up the hill in Westlake. And if you go up the one hill, you know it's the one percenters up there. How does a person who's a public servant in office become richer when he's supposed to be serving a public? And if he's serving a public that becomes poorer or do you eliminate the middle class due to a pandemic, how are people supposed to eat? How are they supposed to feed themselves and feed their family, especially in times are tough because wages have gone up. Actually, no, wages haven't gone up. Inflation's gone up. Cost of living's gone up. People think that eating healthy is, is, a, is expensive. It's not. It, no way it, it is. The long-term detriments that you have from obesity and sugar intake over the course of 30, 40 years is the reason why I get up in the morning and why Baldo gets up every morning and we say we got a mission at our hands and why CJ came on board and Aaron and everyone else came on board to say, look, I'm tired of seeing our parents wind up fat and unhealthy and full of medications. And it all started with what they were putting on their plates. And if you can teach kids the importance of food at such an early age, you don't have to design a revolutionary study to prove that vegetables are good for you. My parents taught me that when I was two years old and it stuck with me and I'm 39. I still eat my veggies because guess what? They're good for you, right? And if you need another study, I'll prove one. Coca-Cola won't give you one. All their studies are to keep you from understanding that sugar is the issue, right? There's no sugar in all that over there, right? If we can get that into the school system, guess what? The kids are eating it. What do you tell them? 
This is good for you. They understand it growing up, boom. That's how you make a revolution happen. If you're healthy, you're not sick all the time, you're not having sick days at work, production goes up. Fayez and his whole crew understands that this is the necessity. I mean, the fringe benefits for working over at Prep to Your Door is you eat the healthiest food possible as much as you want. And guess what? Sick days, production, it's inversed, right? Production's through the roof. He comes in here, he gets vitamins, he takes care of himself because he's a better Fayez, right? Why aren't we telling our kids that? We literally vote in these politicians. This is me saying this, not you. We vote in these people and they don't do anything for us. They get richer. How does that senator get richer when a public servant like a teacher gets poor and gets, has to move out of Austin because they're sitting there working for a school district that doesn't support them? They have people who want their help. I mean, imagine if you got prepped to your door in every single school district across the country. What would happen with test scores? What would happen with the obesity rate? That's a pandemic. That's an epidemic, actually. What would happen with heart disease? Would heart disease finally go down if every kid in America was eating prep to your door and learning how to grow tomatoes in their backyard? That's it. That's it. We don't have to go to the moon to find out what, how to get ourselves healthier. Save our soil. We talked about compost. What if everyone started composting in their backyard? First of all, what is compost for people who don't understand what compost is? You tell me. I don't want to Okay. This. So compost is all your waste byproducts. Okay. If you look at all the restaurants in town, they have waste byproducts. So keep in mind that you can use that again to make dirt and soil. You want dirt to convert to soil because then you have bugs in there. You have bacteria and viruses. And guess what? I know the last year, this crowd doesn't have to hear it, but the last year, bugs are good for y'all. Bugs are great for y'all. You need all the bug. I have staph and strep and viruses all around me. But guess what? I'm not sick. Right, Because I eat food from the ground and I eat those bugs and those viruses and those parasites. Yeah, there's parasites in dirt. You know, it just happens. But why are we not sick? It's because we understand our connection to our environment. And what Prep to Your Door doesn't come out and say, but I'll say it for them, is that they understand that you are what you eat, but everything we've ever needed is already provided for us. It's found in nature. People were wanting to get healthier over the past year. Well, what are you doing differently? Where do you choose to put your money? If you want to get healthier, you start to eat better. Well, guess what? If you buy prep to your door, and this is me saying this, you buy prep to your door, not only are you getting healthier, but you started a revolution. You switched out the food in your fridge. And that's how the revolution starts. Because guess what? You are the 99%. We are the 99%. They're the 1%. The one who took that right in front of me, the senator, 1%. He does not care about us. Prove to me I'm wrong. If that was the case, he would undo this farm bill. If he did the case, he would say no more contracts, Aramark contracts would prep to your door. And fires would be perfect. We got this covered. Imagine the day when HEB comes and says, we got you. We know what to do. Can you handle delivering prep to your door across the country? Yeah, yes. Yes, we can. Fires knows how to do this already because he was thinking about this three years ago. Every time he came in here, his design, writing it down, right? They just expanded to Houston, third largest city in the country. And how's it going? Yeah, they got this. They got this, man. If you want to believe in someone, believe in prep to your door. Don't believe in your senator because guess what? You have to write them to tell them to do the right thing. You don't have to write to Fias to tell them to do the right thing. Just ask him, what is he doing? He's like, oh, we already got you, man. We're already two steps ahead of everyone else, right? We got this. Well, we look and say, okay, we need to support this. 
right? So when you support it, you tell people the simple thing, educate them. You want to eat healthy food? Show them how to do it, right? I would say that going forward, I know that you have a bunch of ideas and visions and all that as well. If you wanted to say two cents on what health will look like in the future in this country from a positive perspective, what will it look like in a few years? Um, over our lifetime, I just want to bring it all the way back to – I have to get really practical. Otherwise, this stuff feels way too big to tackle, right? And so let's go back to the subsidies because <laughs> farmers aren't bad that are growing all this corn. It's just the incentives are structured in a certain way that it makes more sense for them to grow a certain crop versus another. So if the subsidies, 0.45%, 0.45% goes to fruits and vegetables, 2% goes to tobacco, and 61% goes to the corn, soy, and grains. All we need to do is say, reallocate those dollars. Like that's it. Mm-hmm. That's a very simple objective. Now, I hope everybody is able to understand a little bit of the farm bill now, like leaving today. Maybe you didn't know about the farm bill before you got here. That's important that if we can change that 0.45% and reverse that, change that to the 61%, all of a sudden everybody can afford organic food. I'm just going to drop this little stat in there. $10 $10 billion of Coca-Cola's revenue every year comes from food stamps. Why? Why are people on food stamps buying Coca-Cola versus some organic produce? Why are they buying top ramen instead of organic produce? Because the top ramen is cheaper. Why is the top ramen cheaper than the organic produce? Because the 61% of the subsidies goes to the shit that makes top ramen and only 0.45% goes to the fruits and vegetables. So it's like, we can we can do this. All we need to say is reallocate the dollars. Um, okay, so we know that that to be true. And that only happens when, when was the last time in a, in a presidential debate, y'all heard the words farm bill uttered? No, Never. because when was the last time y'all even knew that it was important not to say that you're uninformed or anything but it's just not being talked about so now we know yep um and then what was the question <laughs> in the next few years i think how you i think it, you answered it actually you, yeah. yeah you did actually because yeah. i said was what's the positive way that we're going with health and, and healthcare in this country you just said it right now you gave an option yeah it's so obvious like our health if you break down the profit and loss statement of this country, what's our single single biggest line item aside from the military? It's healthcare. Yep. Okay, how can we cut that by two thirds? Is if we were instead of SNAP dollars, food stamps going towards junk food and going towards organic produce, our Medicare bill would plummet. Okay, we would save the country money. We would be in less of a national deficit. That's good. That's good for all of us. Uh, okay, so the obvious solution to healthcare that is not happening on the political debate stage is food. Okay, that starts in the farm bill. We've gone over that. What's the what's the unspoken about solution to the climate crisis? It's also food. Like all of this stuff starts in that one little bill, the farm bill. The solution to healthcare and the solution to climate change starts 
oh this is really tacky but on your plate like all of it starts on our plates and so part of it is personal responsibility like if we're all here that means that we can choose to buy things like prep to your door versus snap kitchen um and there's environmental factors like the coca-cola example i gave about public schools or what the government is incentivizing by the way when i say government i mean us that's our tax dollars yep. you know what i mean yep. that's your your tax dollars your tax dollars your tax dollars that are going to subsidizing certain things versus another so we all have a say in this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i agree completely yeah, Medicare- I, think, I think we'll completely change that in our lifetime we I have did, to we have to because right now medicare is what you're looking forward to when you get older and Medicare is the insurance that all our parents and our, our ancestors are on. It, it doesn't pay for any of this. Imagine if health insurance paid for prep to your door weekly. Would everyone be healthier? I mean, it's incredible, right? I mean, just the simple things that you think about that don't make sense, but most people don't know about it. And so when you get into the weeds of it, the people who are going to save us are the CPG business, right? Consumer packaged goods, right? They can make or break us. The plastic and utensils and all that. I mean, I'll never forget the straws, that was the huge issue years ago, right? And then metal straws came out and everyone said, we can just buy metal straws. Done. There's always an answer. Baldur taught me this too. There's always an answer. You just have to look at it from a different perspective, right? And we've learned this. To take on the evil empires, you're not going to win that battle. You can't go at them. There's too much power. You have to develop a system to it that's so smart, so, so strategic, so intentional. And so good that they have no choice but to follow because what happens is the consumer created the demand and the revolution, right? Epic sold to, was it General Mills for $100 million? The key is this. When we know you could sell, here's the other aspect of it. And Fires may or may not talk about it. What if you don't sell? What if you build up so big to where you're it now? And then now everyone's following your, and then you acquire and you merge. And all of a sudden now you set the standards and everyone else follows those. That's what I want. Because the thing is, we're looking at the idea of saying, everyone wants what we have. Everyone wants what we have. There's not one single person that's come to you and said, wow, you know, this is just like, the- no, it's not just like this over there. I don't care what they're doing in Chicago. I don't care. This is, this is changing the world right here. And the, the ruckus that you're causing right now is you're not apologizing for it, which is beautiful because you're doing the smart way. And the reason we learn from you is because as a, as a fellow colleague and peer, I learned to control what we say in the right way to educate the public, and I'm still learning. I've been grateful for the idea that you get to come here and speak because you don't normally get to speak to people, and I, I know you should have more of an opportunity if you want it, but you choose not to sometimes, and I, I respect that. But the knowledge that you have for anyone else who wants to make a change and make, a, uh, make that revolution happen, even if they're sitting at home you know, wanting to do something, what's the first step? Um, obviously get educated, you know, we don't all have to become experts on this stuff, but if we can drop a little knowledge at the dinner table, that's pretty much perfect. Um, vote with your dollar. What you said about how do the giants adapt? We talk about this, obviously Nevia's on the team. I keep looking at her. Um, but what we talk about at work all the time is our company mission is to transform the food system. Wow, that's like a ridiculous mission statement. It's so big. Okay, what does that mean? 
to change a system, you don't have to change 100% of it. You just have to change 3% of it. I'm just saying 3%. You have to say change a small percentage of it. What we need to do is capture market share from the big food conglomerates because that's all they respond to. So when you choose to buy from force of nature that does regenerative meat versus the factory farm meat, well, you're taking market share. And I agree with you. My goal is obviously to go public. I mean, I don't know if that's obvious, but my goal is to go public as a company because we need to shift. These big companies will look at us forever and say, oh, it's cute that you guys do organic. Oh, it's cute that you do glass jars because you're only a $15 million company. Well, what are they going to say when it's a multi-billion dollar company? They're going to have to adapt because the customers across the country are going to be spending their money with this system versus their system and they want those dollars. And so that's not cynical, right? That's strategic. So you you guys have power by education and also choosing where you spend your money. So there it is. Beautiful. We have some questions. Any uh, things right there? Yeah. Our man Isaac. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, what up? Commodity so, crops. So yeah. I think, if I remember this correctly, it's been a while, but I think about eighty percent of that goes towards animal agriculture. Yeah. So it's kind of hard because we don't really eat that much corn and soy. I mean, we do, but most of that stuff going to large feedlot operations, which is mm-hmm. feeding those animals. Yeah, that's a good point right there. Yeah. And Fires can probably speak on that more. So for people who don't know, um, you are what you eat, right? Well, the animals are too. Okay, so think about this. And I'm sure that this might be the debate, but do we have a problem with overconsumption? Yes, we do. Okay, the reason why you look at things like synthetic beef on the horizon is because we can't keep up with demand. We have all you can eat barbecues at every corner because everyone was designed from a young age to eat meat with everything. And we're now accustomed to getting food delivered to our door with, without seasons basically being incorporated. So, you have to keep up with demand and these animals eat GMO corn and soy, all that horrible stuff that you don't touch. Well, the, the, the food gets fed to the animals. And then what happens is they also get injected with horrible things to make their chicken breasts bigger. And the, the chicken breasts are so big, they fall on their beaks. They can't even walk around. And then if you drive through the dairy farms and some of the processed farms out there, not only are they eating this processed GMO stuff that has been linked to a lot of cancer, just joking, I'm not even joking, and they're serving a bunch of milk that's full of hormones. And they're doing it because we need our milk and we need our meat because that's what American plates look like. And and you're right. Imagine a simple thing like you just cut back on your consumption, right? We have a waste problem all of a sudden, right? We No one in Austin should go hungry. No one in this country should ever go hungry. We shouldn't have a shortage of any animal out there because they were here first. What we're doing is we're destroying species for no reason. And not just the animals. We're plowing the rainforest. Go look up all the beeswax and the palm oil that's being taken from there just to keep up with demand. And so, yeah, all those things behind the scenes to keep up with the food production, you really have to dig deep. And and I love Isaac bringing this up too because there's an ethical way to source your, your products. All right. Now, I love Fayez and, and Isaac talking about this because 
they're food owners, like food uh, company owners, and they know the source of their food. They have to talk to it, and you will go out there and, and I mean, just talk about like some of the stuff that you've come encountered with. Like, like you're in the plant based community, right? So, what are the issues you see there? Building on what he said about reallocating that percentage, it sounds really easy, but it's not because the meat and ag lobby is so incredibly strong in this country. And I think a lot of people just don't make that connection. So I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. They're a lot more powerful than we think they are. And so when he said the, the best way you can make an impact is making a, you know, making a change of percentage of your plate, that, that shit really matters. Yep. That does. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to reemphasize that the two thirds of our farmland that's growing these commodity crops, less than 1% is actually to feed us. The rest is to feed animals that we then eat. So there we go. And then 40% of all the food we grow in this country goes to waste. So like, what are we even doing? Yeah. Over consuming and wasteful. <laughs> like I said, they talked about the food deserts last year, right? And in, in, in Austin, even Austin, you the housing market here is ridiculous. You're talking about in the city, in East Austin, probably lots going for $2 million, just the lots itself before the house is even built on there. Just incredible. Every 20 years, the population of Austin doubles. Like that's staggering. What are they doing? They're all getting Uber Eats in favor. When the snow demic happened, no one knew how to cook. They ran out of food because they're so reliant on systems for their sustenance. Which is so incredible, right? I mean, the farmers are like, what are we going to do here? And I'm sure you had a whole list of problems too because you're thinking we got to keep up with demand. So then you learned a whole other thing. What are we going to do in times of climate change, right? How are we going to get this food across Houston now whenever you know we have seven inches of snow outside and nobody can eat, nobody can deliver anywhere, right? You know, what's interesting about it is there's solutions for it. Uh, going back to HEB, I, I was talking to my brother-in-law, and he's uh, he's in the Air Force. He said after Harvey, uh, Hurricane Harvey, that uh, they work directly with HEB. They work directly with HEB. Uh, and he said that I don't know if the government actually paid HEB back for all the food. HEB just did it. Mm-hmm. HEB is the third favorite supermarket chain in the country, and they're only in, like, Texas. It's incredible, right? The other two are what? Costco and... Whole Kroger's, Foods, Kroger's. Kroger's, Kroger's. So think about this. You said it's really interesting. Uh, if you were to have a CPG product, consumer packaged good, you rent space in Whole Foods, right? Like that's that's uh, that's rent. Yeah, that's a lease. Because they know that how many eyes are going to go buy that, right? It used to be commercials. Well, you don't. You watch Netflix. There's no commercials anymore. How are they supposed to get through to you, right? All your ads and everything. DoorDash, right? What are your options there? Well, what, do, what I mean, imagine if you demand, say, I want prepped your door on there. No problem. I mean, favors right down the street from y'all, right? I mean, that's the thing. That That's easy in Austin, right? But then when you say, okay, how do you make this change across the country? You understand that local support is everything for your community, right? I love supporting local. And I'm not saying you have to just support the farmers. If you support local food companies, you support local farmers, hands down. Right, and they step up their game. They listen, right? Like, uh, Plow Burger. I still say it's the best burger in Austin right now, right? And 
they always talk about the oils improved now, the source of the, the fries. I mean, you're looking at the bun even. It's incredible. Food is where we meet in the middle, right? You will not get healthier if I inject you with a bunch of IVs and pills and I don't show you what it is to be healthy. So Fiaz has an educational piece with Prep to Your Door. How many of your employees understand what nutrition is? I don't have hard stats. Would you beg to say everyone is taught on that from the day they come in? Uh, yes, actually, we have. Yeah, and and we have some pretty cool stories. Like one kid started when he was nineteen, and he would he would gag at the sight of any vegetable, and now he knows what kohlrabi is and what rutabaga is, and like he's taken all that knowledge home, and it's just fascinating. That's why you know, becoming aware and like having the conversation at the dinner table is so powerful because that it just takes one person in a family to really change the dialogue in the whole family. So, yeah, I agree. I, we brought prep to your door up to Oklahoma last, last week. So there's the bag we're traveling with. I mean, honestly, we travel with prep to your door bags all the time. They're great for insulation, but we bring the jars out. And so here's what happens at the family gatherings. What do y'all eat at your family gatherings? If you're like mine, it's Mexican food and barbecue, right? Well, guess what's right next to the plates of barbecue. Right, you could get a bunch of that dole iceberg lettuce pre-mixed crap that it's no nutrition in it because we know that it's all GMO crap, or we set it over there, and everyone looks at it it's like, what is this? And it starts a conversation. What is this? Why would I eat this? And you want to know what we're up against? I didn't tell you this. So last week, Oklahoma, all my family, I went into the kitchen next to the prep your door jars. It was late. I wasn't going to eat them. I had I had the, the oatmeal one. Love the oatmeal by the way, and. um I wanted uh, a condiment like honey for some reason. And they had all the condiments on the side of the door and they all had high fructose corn syrup in them. And if you all don't know, high fructose corn syrup, it is from corn, but it's horrible for you. That's on top of sugar is what's going to inflame your heart, cause diabetes, heart disease, and Alzheimer's. And it's in all your packaged ingredients. All of it. And from a marketing standpoint, you talk about the lobbyists in your favor. No, no, no. You ever seen the word natural flavors on the backs of a box? I don't know what's in it. If you can tell me what's in it, maybe Fias can. I don't know, right? I don't know. It's peachy or something, right? All those things matter. The term natural foods means nothing. Like it means nothing. Don't let – that's greenwashing. That's, yeah. So they, they switched it because years ago they were getting backlash from it. So they could say, hey, we can't – we got to sell more products. What are we going to do? Let's label this something differently, right? So I tell them, my, my brother-in-law, I'm like, hey, I was looking – it was the last night I was there and I didn't – I hadn't gone on this whole time. I was like, hey, can I say something about your fridge real quick? She goes, okay. It's like 9 o'clock at night. I'm like, just say one thing. When you go to the store and you buy ketchup, will you do me a favor? Yes. Will you buy organic next time? Sure. That's what she said. You'll spend the two extra dollars and buy organic? Because I could see that ketchup there sits there on the shelf for a while, right? So you don't eat it every day, right? No. So the two extra dollars, you'll go organic. Yes. Will you do it for the other products? Sure. Promise? Yes. Done. That's it. That's all I wanted. That simple. Not an explanation of why and how bad it is. I could have gone into it. It's 9 o'clock at night. She doesn't want to hear this. And she knows it's coming. I'm like, that's it. So fast forward the next day. So go to my father-in-law's house. Sitting there. You ever seen like a rotating Susan? Like one of those things that just right there on the, on the table. Tootsie Rolls, Reese's Pieces, Skittles, Lollipops. And behind it was a bunch of other Snickers, and then there's Diet Pepsi in the, in, the, in the fridge. My kids got offered pizza three different times. Every time, I was like, you can try. They don't eat pizza. 
What do you mean they don't eat pizza? They don't eat pizza. I don't know what to tell you. Why? Like people ask me, why don't your kids eat pizza? Why don't my six and three-year-olds eat pizza? Because I don't think it's good for them, but they don't, they weren't growing up with pizza being shoved down their throats every week. But guess what? If you go to the school district, you remember that plastic pizza we used to get back in the day? You remember that shit? <laughs> it looked like plastic cover and then you take the plastic off and it still looks plastic. That's cheese, but it's not cheese. It used to be cheese or something like cheese. The U.S. Department of Agriculture and the FDA got together and said pizza like that in the school lunch is a vegetable. Why? Because there's tomatoes on it. And it's considered a nutritionist part of that kid's lunch. That's what we're up against. And all these lobbyists and senators have said we're cool with it. Right? What's that? (laughs) Yeah. They don't even know that. Tomatoes are fruits. That freaking seeds in them for crying out loud. God bless, dude. 